Take your Bibles, please, this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Before we look into this passage of Scripture, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. I want to thank you for loving us. Lord, we realize tonight and this morning that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to be effective outside your power. God, we need you. And if you don't do the work, the work's not going to get done. Lord, we're asking right now that you would have your way and have your will in these services. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to hearts and change lives. That, Lord, you would move me behind the cross and use me by your power, Holy Spirit, to speak your words to your people. Lord, they need not hear what I have to say. They need to hear what comes from uh, straight from you, straight from heaven, straight from your word. And, Lord, I'm just asking today you would make your truth real to us all. How good you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I'm thankful, Lord, you've done for us what we can't do for ourselves. Lord, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the blood. And we're asking today, Lord Jesus, that you would make your truth real. Father, I pray that you remove any hindering spirit in this place. Anything that would hinder you from doing your work, we pray you remove it. Lord, we realize that not all every spirit's the Holy Spirit. So we're praying now, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way because you have authority over all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For the last month, I've been preaching to you on the power of the gospel. Now, let's define our terms because I want us all to be on the same page. I want you to know uh, where I'm coming from. I want you to know what the purpose of these messages are. The gospel is the good news. It's the message of who Christ is and what he's done for us. Now, we found out through the study of the scripture that the gospel itself and the benefits that come to those who have trusted in the gospel come by way of God's amazing grace. It's not that we deserve salvation. It's not that we can earn salvation by our own self-righteous works. We are only saved by God's grace through faith. When we choose to trust in the finished work of Christ, the Bible says we can be and are born into the family of God. When we choose to trust by faith, it's not about who we are, it's about who He is. It's not about what we've done, but what He has done for us. That's the gospel message. And so the purpose of these messages is not just so we can look back on what the gospel has done in our lives if we have believed, but the purpose of these messages is to also help us realize that what God is doing now in our lives, not just what He has done, but what he is doing now. See, I want us to get a hold of that revelation. How many of you know that for the people of God, for those who have been blood-bought and born again, God is working in you and through you to accomplish his good will and purpose? Now, we can all certainly hinder that, but we need to understand uh, the power of the gospel even now in our lives. And last week, we talked about um, giving by grace and what it means to give by grace. Now, I told you last Sunday morning that God has called us through His truth, through His Word, uh, for us to give in three separate areas. First of all, we're to give of our time, we're to give of our talent, and we're to give of our treasure. Now that really makes up 
uh, who we are and what we have, we are to give to God if we've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. How do you know, if you're a believer this morning, it's just your reasonable service for you to give your life to Jesus. See, if he, if he died for you, I believe that we ought to live for him if we've truly been born again, if we've truly trusted in the finished work of Christ and he's supernaturally done a work on the inside of our heart and life that's made a difference on the outside. Now, we looked last week at giving of our time. At the illustration Paul gave in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 when he told Timothy and us to be a good soldier in the army of the Lord. We looked at what Paul said about uh, what a good soldier is and how a good soldier operates. And if we're going to know what it truly means to give ourselves to the Lord, I think we would do well to heed the advice and the commandment uh, that God gives through the Apostle Paul. So we are to give our time. But this morning I want to move on from that and we're going to talk about giving our talent and giving our treasure. Now, when I say we are to give our talent, what do I mean by talent? A talent um, is that which God has blessed you with so that you might be a blessing. And how do you know God has blessed us all so that we might be a blessing? And the Bible teaches that. Look right here, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, down at verse number 4. Look what he says. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. And everybody say all in all. Now let me tell you what the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is telling us here. He's saying that we've got different gifts, different offices, different administrations. Listen, God has placed us in the body according to His plan so that we might fulfill His purpose. And each member that He has placed in His body, He has given a gift. He's worked uh, in all and uh, worked all in all. What does that mean? He's worked all gifts uh, into all the body. So what, he, what that means is this. Listen, every person has a gift. Every person has been blessed so that we might be a blessing if you have placed your faith in Jesus. He clears it up right there in verse number 7. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Everybody say every man. God works all the gifts into all the body in every, every person that's been born again into the body of Christ. You've been given a gift. It says every man has the manifestation of the Spirit. You say, well, brothers, I just don't know about that. He's, I mean, I, we can look at great men of God like Billy Graham. And man, I can, I can uh, listen to the message of Billy Graham. And I can tell that God has gifted that brother. Uh, with, with, the, with the gift of teaching and preaching the word of God. I, I think about great men like Dr. Adrian Rogers. I said, man, I, I can tell he, God has gifted that brother with the gift of, uh, of preaching and teaching. I think about people like, um, um, uh, what, what was her name? Worked in India through the Catholic Church. All the, Mother Teresa. I think about Mother Teresa. God had gifted her with the, certainly with the gift of ministry. There's no doubt about it. She was bringing people to Jesus and gave her life to that. So we think about all these great men and women of the faith and we see their gifts. But many times we don't realize God has gifted us. And I want you to know every believer, every member of the body of Christ has a gift. If you believe it, say amen. I want you to get that this morning. You've got a gift. And I've got a gift that was given to us by the Holy Spirit to enable us to do the work of God in the world and in His church. That's what gifts are. That's the purpose of the spiritual gift. 
to enable us to do the work. See, God knew I couldn't do the work without him. And God knew you couldn't do the work without himself. <laughs> without the person of the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us, we certainly can't accomplish what God has given us to do as the body of Christ. So he's given us gifts. These spiritual gifts are to enable us to do the work. Now I can do what you can't do, and you can do what I can't do, but how I many you know together we can do great things? If we choose to allow God to work through us, and, and listen, uh, exercise the gift that he has given us inside the body, collectively working together, we can fulfill uh, the plan of God, the purpose of God. Look what it says there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. He gives us a list of different gifts starting in verse number 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Everybody say same Spirit. See, the same Spirit that dwells in me as a believer dwells in you as a believer if you've been born again. Amen. We all have the same Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit gives us all gifts. That's what he's saying. The different gifts, uh, different strokes for different folks. I mean, I've got things you ain't got, and you've got things I ain't got, so that God can put us together and cause all of this to work like it's supposed to. Look at verse number 10. To another, the gift of working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally, as he will so God gives us the gifts he gives us according to his goodwill and pleasure and I'm glad of that I'm thankful for that because God knows how his body is supposed to work God knows the purpose that he has for his church and so listen because he knows the purpose he's called us to and he's sending us out to do he gives us the gifts necessary to accomplish the purpose mine different from yours yours different from mine but when all of it comes together working in one accord we can be what God wants us to be as the body of Christ that's what I want to see right here at Mount Zion that's what we must see if we're going to be effective in the work of the Lord in this community across the street and around the world God can use us and wants to use us but he's going to use us as we collectively work together exercising our gifts let's take your keep your place there in first corinthians chapter 12 and let's flip over to romans chapter 12 and he gives us another list of some gifts of the spirit a lot of them are the same some of them differ just a little bit but listen what he says here romans chapter 12 and look down at verse number six well let's just start with verse number four he says, for as we have many members in one body. Everybody say many members. And say one body. Many members coming together to make up one body. He explains something to us. And all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether of prophecy, let us prophesy. According to the proportion of faith. To prophesy means to speak the word of the Lord. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Ministry is just the gift of service. I'm so thankful for those with the gift of ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching, praise God for our teachers. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. What's the Apostle Paul saying? We've all got different gifts, but it makes up one body with one purpose. 
three things I want you to see about gifts this morning. First of all, if you are a believer, you are a part of the body. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read to you two verses. For as the, verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, we have been all been made, into, made to drink into one spirit. See, the moment you believed, the moment you trusted in Jesus, a lot of great stuff happened. Let, let me tell you the first thing that happened. The Bible says that our sins were put as far as the east was from the west. When we trust, trusted in the finished work of Christ, His shed blood uh, that washes away sin, when we trust in what He has done for us, at that moment our sins are washed clean. Praise God for that. So thankful for that. And you ought to be as well. If I'm still in my sin, I'm still condemned. If I'm still condemned, I'm on my, on my way to a devil's hell. But because of the blood of Jesus that's been applied to my heart and life by faith, my sins have been washed clean. Let me tell you what else happened. You became a part of God's body. Amen. The Bible says you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And again, the same Spirit that baptized me baptized you. So every believer is a part of of the body our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life praise God for that the Holy Spirit of God indwells us at the time of conversion all of this great stuff happens when we are saved so if you are a believer you are a part of the body now I say that because many people I think have a misconception on what it means uh, to be a part of the body of Christ I was talking to a gentleman about, I guess, three or four months ago now at my workplace. We were talking about the Lord, and he was telling me about some things going on in his life, and I was talking to him about some things going on in my life, and, and uh, I didn't know if he had trusted in the Lord. He had never made a profession of faith to me, and, and so I, I just asked him, I said, man, what's your testimony? How, how'd you get saved? And, and he looked at me kind of funny. He said, well, I've always been saved. And I said, what do you mean by that? You've always been saved. He said, well, I've always been in church. I mean, my mama brought me to church when I was just a little boy, and I stayed in church all my life. And She read the Bible to me every night, and because she read the Bible to me every night, I started reading the Bible every night. And he said, I still read the Bible every night. I've, I've always been saved. Let me share something with you. No one has always been saved. You need to understand that. Let me tell you why I say that. The Bible teaches that we are all born into sin. The Bible teaches that we came here needing a Savior. The Bible teaches that we were dead in trespasses and sins the moment we took our first, birth, first breath in our physical body. Are you, are you getting me? We came here sinners. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians chapter number 2, brothers, put this on the screen for me. Ephesians 2 and 1. The apostle Paul is writing to the church. 
And he says something in this first verse, man, that is very powerful. It says, and you hath he quickened. The word quickened means to be made alive. And you hath he made alive who were once dead in trespassing sins. So speaking to people that were a part of the body of Christ at Ephesus, part of that church at Ephesus, he says, there was a time when you were dead in trespassing sins, but God has quickened you. God has made you alive. Now listen to me. I want you to know something, folks. Uh, it's a good thing to come to church. And, and that's what that brother was kind of basing his salvation upon, that he had been in church all his life. It's a great thing to come to church. But let me put it to you like this. Being inside a church building does not make you a Christian any more than being in a garden makes you a tomato. It doesn't. It's a good thing to come to church. I'm glad you're in church. You can hear the gospel in church. God can do a work in your life in church. It was in a church kind of like this one that I, I first trusted in the Lord. So I want you to know, listen to me now, you need to understand church is a good thing, but coming to church does not save you. Got reading your Bible. Hey, listen, I, I, I keep reading your Bible. Keep seeking truth. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But simply reading your Bible does not save you. It doesn't. However, both of those things are good things, but it, it's not enough. See, to truly be born again into the family of God, that's a supernatural work of the Spirit. That, that's a work that only God can do. And if that's never happened to you, you never experienced that supernatural work, you're not a part of the body yet. But let me say something to you. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you experienced salvation? What's your testimony? Do you know that you know that you've been born again? Do you know that God the Holy Spirit's done a work on the inside that's made a difference on the outside? I remember, um, I'll just give you a little bit of my testimony. I, I remember when I was about eight, nine years old, I'll come forward in a church service and and, 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 and prayed that day a, a sinner's prayer. And I was sincere as I knew how to be at eight, nine years old. But I'm going to tell you something. From that moment on, I always had a question whether or not I was truly born again. There was never really any peace. I always struggled with it. And it wasn't until later on in my life that God began to do a work that only God can do. And God convicted my heart. I'm telling you, he brought me to a place where I realized my great need for Jesus. He showed me my sinfulness. He showed me how hopeless and how helpless I was. Listen, in ways that only God could do it. And I just had to fall on my face before him and say, God, I cannot do this, but I believe you can. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and save me. I ask you to do the work that only you can do in my life. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. That moment when I trusted in Jesus, peace entered my soul and it has not left. Why? Because when you know the Prince of Peace, you can have the peace that passeth all understanding. There's a lot of difference in knowing about God and knowing Him in a personal way. You can only truly be born again by the supernatural work of God the Holy Spirit. Has He ever convicted your heart? Shown you your sinfulness? Have you trusted in Jesus? If you have, you are a part of the body. Now, 
every part has a purpose. Amen? Watch this. Watch what it says. Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Listen, every member, every part has purpose, and every purpose is needful regardless of function. You got me? What he's saying is, you may be a hand, or you may be a foot, or you may be an ear, or you may be an eye, but listen, because you are a part of the body, you have a purpose, and your purpose is needful and important regardless of what function it is. See, a lot of people say, well, because I'm not the preacher, or because I'm not this, a teacher, or this or that, or, or a missionary, or an evangelist, I'm not really that important to the thing. No, listen, every member is important regardless of function, and God has placed you in the body as it has pleased him it's amazing watch how he puts it right here for the body is not one member but many verse 14 for the foot shall say because I'm not the hand I'm not of the body is it therefore not of the body and the ear shall say because I'm not the eye I'm not of the body is it therefore not of the body and if the whole body were an eye where were the hearing and if the whole body were the hearing where were the smelling but now God has set members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him three things you need to get a hold of this right here you need to, you need to know first of all if you are a believer you're a part of the body every part has a purpose and listen to me every purpose is important regardless of function now when every member every part comes together fulfilling its purpose, whatever your purpose is, whatever my purpose is. I've, you know what I've come to figure out, folks? I, I, I can't spend time worrying about everybody else. Let me tell you why. I've got enough to worry about with me. I'm not going to worry about what somebody else is doing or what I'm doing. I'm just going to worry about what I'm doing. And if we'd all just worry about what we're doing, if we'd all just worry about what God has called us to, what God has gifted us in and fulfilling our purpose, then we can come together in one accord collectively and fulfill the plan of God. And that's what God has planned out right here in 1 Corinthians 12. He's put it together as it hath pleased him. God's put you where he put you and gifted you like he's gifted you that you might make a difference in the world you live in and inside the body of Christ, through the body of Christ. Now listen to me. Physical ability is different from spiritual gifts. Physical talents are different from spiritual gifts. But let me tell you what I know God does. God uses physical ability and spiritual giftings in concert with one another to do his work. I know people who have a great talent for singing. That's a physical ability that God has gifted you with. But what I've also found out is most of those people also have the gift of exhortation. And they use their gift of singing, that physical ability, coupled with the gift of exhortation to encourage others. And I don't know of anything that can encourage others like a spirit-filled, spirit-led, God-honoring song by somebody who can sing it. A lot of times that speaks more to me than even a message. It's amazing how God can use that and will use that. That's not the only thing, though. I remember years ago we had a lady in church where I was pastoring. 
we were doing a vacation Bible school. And uh, she came to me. And she said, Brother Ezra, I want to be a part of this vacation Bible school. I know you need teachers. She said, but I can't teach. She said, I can't teach because I can't read. But I want to be a part of it. And I said, well, let me ask you this. What do you like to do? What, what, what do you do? She said, well, I like to cook. I said, fantastic. We need some cooks. And so that year in vacation Bible school, we uh, put her over our uh, food ministry for all the kids. And, and at that time, there were a lot of kids from the surrounding area who were coming who had never been to church before some, from some uh, terrible situations, terrible home lives. And man, they were coming into the church, and I, I wish you could have saw the smile on those kids' faces when they were sitting down to those good meals every night at Vacation Bible School. And she was walking around serving them kids, man, and loving on them. And, uh, and it just blessed my soul and blessed her soul and blessed those children. And listen, all she was doing was using her physical talent with her spiritual gift. She had the spiritual gift of ministry, if anybody did. And God coupled those things together, used them for his honor and his glory. And God, folks, I'm telling you, if he can do it for her, he can do it for us. A lot of people think just because my gift's not one of the showy gifts that it's not important. No, it's of vital importance. Matter of fact, the Bible says on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that a lot of the ones who are not honored should receive the most honor. So you need to know you have a gift and you need to be using it. What has God gifted you in? How has he blessed you so that you might be a blessing? We give our time, but we also give our talent. Let me tell you what else we're called to give. We're called to give our treasure. Three things I want to say about this and I'm done. First of all, we give our treasure through our tithe. Give you tithe. Amen? A lot of people say, Rose, what is, what's a tithe? A tithe is 10% of your income, and that's what God has called you to give. He's called me to give as a believer. I heard a story one time about a very successful businessman, and he was, his, his business had just exploded and was doing well, and he came time that uh, he was having to travel overseas because of his business and so he bought himself a plane he bought and he hired him a pilot and he started flying all over the world doing his business dealings he was flying over uh, the, the ocean and, uh, and ran into a storm and the plane crashed and him and the pilot both survived and they washed up on a deserted island nobody was there but them too and the pilot was doing everything he could to um, Signal over oh, the, the planes coming overhead, spelling out SOS on the beach and trying to get a fire going so he could send smoke signals. And man, he was doing all he could to make sure they'd be rescued while the businessman was just laying up under shade doing nothing. And finally, the pilot came to me and said, Man, what are you doing? He said, We're out here on this deserted island. We're going to die here if we don't get rescued. Get out of here and help me. Let's do what we can uh, to, so, that, so that others might uh, see what's going on and give us some help. And the businessman said, well, believe me, I'm not worried. He said, what do you mean you're not worried? He said, well, I'm a very successful businessman. He said, well, man, that does us no good on a deserted island. He said, you don't understand. He said, I make a lot of money. He said, I make a whole lot of money every week. And the man said, well, that money's going to do us no good here. We still need to get rescued. He said, no, no, listen, I'm a very successful businessman. I make a whole lot of money, and I'm, a, and I'm a strong believer. I've trusted in Jesus as my personal Savior. He said, that's great that you've trusted in Jesus, but we still need to get rescued. 
He said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm a very successful businessman. I make a whole lot of money. I've trusted in Jesus, and I'm a faithful tither. Believe me, my pastor will find me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's a lot of truth in that. Let me tell you why there's a lot of truth in that. We need some good tithers, some good givers. There was a study done a few years ago in the Southern Baptist Convention on giving. Let me tell you what they found out. Throughout the Southern Baptist Convention and all of the thousands of Southern Baptist churches, they found out that only 18% of their membership tithe. 18%. 18% is giving the money to do the work for the 100%. Let me ask you this. What if everybody tithed? If we're getting by on 18%, what could we do if everybody was giving? How many could we reach if everybody was giving? You say, Brother Ezra, listen to me. I just ain't got the money to tithe. Believe me. Believe me. You will benefit from giving if you'll be faithful to what God says. I promise you. If you want a fail-proof, fail-proof financial plan, do it God's way. Give your tithe. Go to Malachi with me just a moment. Let me share something with you. Malachi chapter 3. In verse number 8, God is chastising his people here, and he says something. He says, will a man rob, rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have you robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. What's Malachi saying? What's the Lord saying through his prophet? He's saying to his people, you are robbing me because you're not giving your tithe. Listen to me, folks. God has required us to give the tithe, which is 10% of your income. But guess what? All of it's God's. All of it's God's. And all he's required is your 10%. Are you hearing me? You say, well, now, Brother Israel, I'll tell you, that's, that's all in the Old Testament, and that's in the law, and I just don't know that we should be going by the law. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I would hate like everything for those that were under the law to do more for the Lord than what we are under, that are under grace are willing to do. And the Bible says that we rob him in our finances when we choose not to give what God says we ought to give. And I'll promise you, if you'll be faithful to God, God will bless you with that 90% even more than if you'd have had the 100%. He will. He will do the work that is necessary to give you exactly what you need and a lot of times, most of you won't. It's amazing. Dr. David Jeremiah says it like this. He says, we give to God with our little thimble, and he gives, us, gives to us back with his big old shovel. And that's exactly how it works. You cannot outgive God. Don't rob God. The Bible says, watch this. Look, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, when have you robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Do you, do you see that strong language? He says, you're pronouncing a curse on yourself because you're not doing what I told you to do. You're pronouncing a curse on your finances 
Because you're not doing what I told you to do. If you want to know how to be blessed financially, do your finances God's way. Do what God says. Watch this. He makes a promise here. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, for I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. If you want to live under an open heaven where God pours out his blessings in such a way that you can't even take it all in, be faithful in your financial giving. Give your treasure. Jesus said it like this, where your treasure is, your heart is also. See, what Jesus is really saying is, you can tell a whole lot more by a man's checkbook as, as, as to where he is with the Lord than what, what he says and even a lot of times what he does. Because where your treasure is, that's really what you love. That's really what you're passionate about. So we've got to be faithful in tithing. Be faithful with your tithe. But the Bible says your tithe, that's not the ceiling. It's only the floor. He says you start with your 10%. And then as God gives you opportunity and God leads, then you give your offering. Your tithe is your 10%, but guess what? We also give to missions around here. That's your offering. Your tithe is your 10%, but we also give to needy families around here. That's your offering. Your tithe is your 10%, but we also feed hungry kids in Cuba. That's your offering. Amen? That's how this works. With the tithe and the offering. So if you want to be blessed in your finances, do it God's way. And you do it God's way by number one, give your tithe. Number two, give your offering. Number three, expect God's blessing. Look with me in Luke chapter 6. Jesus himself says to his followers, if you're here today and you place your faith in him, you are a follower. This message is to you. This message is to me. Luke chapter 6. Verse number 30, 38, he says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Trust God in your giving. If you say you can't afford to give, I, I, I say this, you can't afford not to give if you want God's blessing start with your tithe be spirit led in your offering expect God's blessing because that's exactly what he promises we're to give of our time we're to give of our talent however God's gifted you get busy in the body and we're to give of our treasure amen everybody stand together this morning
today this altar is open. It's always open. When you need the Lord, all you got to do is call on Him. The Scripture says we have not because we ask not. See, if you're ready to do business with God, He's ready to do business with you. So first and foremost, like, like we spoke about before, do you know that you know you've been born again? What's your testimony? Can you testify to the fact that God has done a supernatural work in your life? Not that you're just a good person or you come to church or you, you've even been baptized. All of those are good things, but none of that stuff saves you. Do you know you've been saved? Do you have that peace of God that passeth all understanding? Brother Ben spoke about that this morning. And uh, I, I love that, that scripture he read. Folks, listen. If you don't have God's peace, you can. You can. Today you can. So don't wait. You come. I'd love to pray with you to receive Christ as your personal Savior. Just come say, brothers, I need to be saved. And folks, again, I can't save you. And walking this aisle don't save you. Being in this church don't save you. But the same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him. You come today if you need to be born again. Let me ask you this. If you are a child of God, are you giving your time like you should? Are you giving your talent like you should? Are you plugged in and busy in the body? Are you giving your treasure like you should? If not, then get that right with the Lord. And let's be about the business that God has called us to. This altar is a great place to do that. Maybe you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord today to, to, to give by grace what God has called you as a believer to give. If you need the Lord in any way, you come. I'd be glad to pray with you. That's always my privilege and honor. Jesus can and will meet your need if you'll trust Him.